0: everybody, this is Zach Hart from We Listen For You. I have taken over the Needle Drop podcast on the YouTube channel, The Needle Drop, um, for a very special 50th podcast. Um, before you click away, um, we have a very, very special guest, Tom York of Radio... Tom? <laughs> Tom? I'm just joking. We couldn't get Tom, um, so we did the next best thing. We're flipping the script here today. We have Anthony Fantano from The Needle Drop on the Needle Drop podcast as a guest. How's it going?
1: It's going good. What's going on with you?
0: Not much, man. I'm glad that you came on your own show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well this,
1: this was your idea, so this was my don't make idea. don't make me regret it.
0: Oh, you're going to regret it.
1: Um, okay, good.
0: Wait for the comment section. Yeah. Uh, so the idea behind this is. You know, I really like your podcast. We get to find out all sorts of interesting things. So I was thinking, why not get to find out about you, Anthony? Because you're a very mysterious man. Um, so I'm going to start with a very easy question. Just kind of ease us into it. OK? OK. All right. How much money do you make a year? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. All right. Let's talk about let's talk about. OK. No more jokes. Let's talk about surprise albums Um, and the role of the critic with surprise albums. We've had the Beyonce come out. We've had the Drake album come out. Um, James Blake, and then Radiohead. So it's been a busy week for you. Um, do you have enough time to review these adequately, in your opinion?
1: Um, I think I have adequate time to react to them as much as sort of anybody else uh, has who's listening. You know, I think the role of the critic, especially uh, when it comes to these sorts of surprise records, is to just kind of help. Stir, stir the pot facilitate discussion and uh just kind of get people to doesn't really matter whether or not they fully agree with you or or me specifically as much as what i'm trying to do is get people to think critically about what they're listening to are you, you eating know. are you eating an apple right now a little bit okay um I'll put it down well,
0: what 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 do you typically like? How long do you typically like to sit with an album before you do the video? Is it just case by case instances, or
1: uh, like preferably, I'd like to sit with an album for at least a week, you know? Um right. But it doesn't necessarily, uh, at least in my experience, it doesn't necessarily add to or take away from my experience with the album. You know, usually I know. Pretty early on, uh, whether or not I like the record and subsequent listens are kind of spent just trying to find out what it is exactly about the record that's kind of you know making you really excited or turning me off you know uh, getting more acquainted with it so that I can actually kind of describe what it is about the album that appeals to me or that I think is just terrible um, and and to my point, uh, you know there are albums that I've spent weeks with prior to the review and I just ended up either hating them or just thinking they were okay or loving them and sort of, you know, vice versa. There are records that um, I've had a very short amount of time with and, uh, 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 you know, I've been able to kind of maintain my opinion or I guess, you know, those albums did end up sort of uh, on my year-end list. You know, there are very few records that I sort of either end up loving or am just kind of... uh, uh, lukewarm on that end up uh, you know sort of uh, in a very big way moving far up or far down my year end list but, uh, but yeah you know like a week would be ideal but you know sort of the way that the internet and album releases work now that's just really not like possible you know because uh, a majority of the conversation around a given album is sort of almost completely evaporated by the time a week has passed by uh, the release
0: right so you you feel like you're adding to the conversation by getting there early?
1: Um getting there not necessarily early to the point where you're talking before everybody else is, you know, but kind of uh, just involving yourself um within that peak amount of time that everybody else is kind of conversing about the record, yeah. You know, because the way the albums are released now and just the way that the internet kind of ingests albums, uh it's kind of flipped the whole script on the promotional game. You know, by the time the album is released, that's when the album sees kind of its lowest level of hype because the uh, the record has dropped, the moment we've all been waiting for has happened, and that's really all there is to it. You know, there's no more build-up, there's nowhere you can really go from there. So nowadays, it just kind of seems like it's all done in reverse. We have the album drop out of nowhere and then... Uh, maybe beforehand, we have a few tracks that are just like teased toward us. And then afterwards uh, we get music videos and afterwards we have, you know, these live shows and afterwards we have, uh, you know, all these other various kinds of promotions that are just kind of meant to remind us that the album exists and actually get us to go listen to uh, the album or go buy the album.
0: In the history of Needle drop. Like, what are some instances of you listen to the record, you feel like you give a a fair critique to it, and then months, maybe years later, you go, oh, shit, I really love that record and I panned it. Or is there anything popping out in your head of of past records that you feel like you got wrong in your review?
1: Not really. Nothing I've done a complete 180 on. I mean, there are some records that I've, like, you know, maybe I, like, busted a 9 out, like, as soon as I reviewed it, and then maybe it's, like, just an 8 in retrospect. And there are some records that I've kind of given a... Uh, a seven. And I ended up like, you know, uh, loving them sort of like in the case of like a gorillas plastic beach or something, you know, but and, and not that I don't think that that sort of thing is possible. But I don't think uh, uh, the amount of time has really passed for me to and, and for anybody else really, to right. kind of have a completely different view of an album that has come out, you know, there hasn't been enough time to pass for me to have a totally different context For uh, any of the albums that I've been reviewing over the past five or six years, you know Um, We're still very much close to the release date of of these albums and the trends that they were sort of born out of You know ask me like a decade from now, you know, like when I'm 80 will I find like death grips as entertaining and as relevant as I do right now probably not you know but maybe i'll be like a really fucking angry 80 year old who knows you know and i'll still think fucking death grips is the craziest fucking thing that i've ever heard or you know at that point maybe i'll be listening to whatever is the craziest fucking most aggressive thing for for that period in time you know do you read all the comments on your youtube oh fuck no i mean (laughs) i used you know i used to but like, you know, and, and not that I don't like reading comments, it's just that there's so many comments now, I can't read all the comments, you know? Right. Um, and plus, like, you know, at, at the end of the day, like, the, the there's so many YouTube comments now that, uh, you know, th- they're only there to kind of serve themselves or advance some kind of meme, like people are just kind of turning up in the comment section to say something that they think is funny, and they just hope they get a bunch of likes. Um, you know, it's, it's a... Uh, uh, it's rare that there's, like, you know, um, intelligent discussion being facilitated or something. <laughs> so, you know, while I do enjoy, you know, Internet jokes and Internet humor, um, you know, I definitely engage in it a lot. Uh, you, you know. You do,
0: you do have some really smart fans. I guess I was leading you into a separate question, which is, like, have you ever learned anything from a comment? Like,
1: you do your oh yeah, your- absolutely. You know, and and not necessarily just from a YouTube comment, but I learn things from – when my fans interact with me you know it's just that uh, uh usually you have to look for those interactions in other places than youtube comments and the people who are looking to put forward a smart interaction you know they take the time to try to find my email or reach out to me on twitter or send me a message through other means than you know trying to leave a youtube comment you know um, of course, there are moments and, you know, and, and believe me, there were way more of them in the past when the community around what I was doing was much smaller. So there wasn't kind of this, uh, right, uh, right. you know, competition to get everybody's attention. Um, when the, when the channel was much smaller and the community was smaller, the comment section was way better and way more readable and, uh, uh, way more thoughtful. And, uh, you know, I, I would love for it to go back to that, you know, but I really have no control over it, you know, just like I don't really have any control over uh, if, if I had control over what my audience thought, I wouldn't really be worried about how they were commenting. You know, I'd control how they thought about my videos or something like that, but you know, I don't have control over that. So there's no chance of getting them to comment a certain way, you know?
0: Well, last thing about the comment section on the, cause it's, I mean, I don't even watch your videos. I just read the comments <laughs> <laughs> cause I love them. Um, what is going through the person's head when you review Beyonce and they say, where's the review for Drake's views? Like, and that's probably the most commented thing It's like, and then on the Drake record, it'll be where's the burn the witch track review. Like what's going through that person's head? Cause obviously you're going to you're going to review it. Do they think um, that that's going to like make you go, Oh shit. That person said that I got to review that right now. Like what, what's going on with that?
1: I'm not 100% sure. I think there are some people who are legitimately worried that I will not review uh, an album because maybe they do know that there are so many records that uh that are out there that I do I do skip a lot of records, you know. I can't review everything and at the end of every month, you know, I try to put the albums I can't review into the why you know review just to at least give some albums a mention that I pretty much passed over and a lot of people, you know, and, and a lot of people are kind of mad about the albums that I pass over. But, you know, also I think um people are conscious of the fact that uh, my review schedule can be impacted by how many requests I get for a record. So, you know, even if people think I might not review something or, you know, maybe even if it's like 90% sure that I'm going to review something, they'll still, drop a que- they'll still drop a comment in there just to remind me, like, I really want you to review this. This is what I want you to review. And maybe they sort of hope that, you know, even if I am going to review it, sort of leaving a comment down there about it will get me to do it faster.
0: Yeah, and there was 0% chance you were it's not It's demand. Gonna- yeah, I was just saying there was 0% chance you weren't going to review the Beyonce, Drake, or Radiohead. That's, that's my point. Um. Yeah. Let's go – one of the most impressive things about you is how much you get done in a day. and I don't understand it at all. Um, walk me through a typical Anthony Fantano day. All right. Today I woke skip, up. Skip the whole protein bullshit shake thing. But that's a part of it. Oh, okay. Go ahead and include it.
1: <laughs> um, no. Today you I woke up. eating
0: during this entire interview. Now, what would happen if it – I should kick you off the show.
1: Shut up. Anyway, this is my show, bitch.
0: Not today. (laughs) This is my show, bitch. I'm making that shirt. Hmm. This is my show, bitch. All
1: right. So (laughs) I I have to get royalties off that. All right. Because this is my phrase. Sorry and Hot Topic right now. Got
0: it. Go, go. After this, you're going to do like three
1: videos. So answer the question. All right. So uh, this morning, I woke up. I immediately uploaded my, uh, uh, actually, no, I I laid in bed because I was super tired. And I was just sitting there and watching YouTube videos. (laughs) And the reason I was really tired is because I was up until 2 a.m. last night uh, uh, putting like 80% of the edits onto the Radiohead review. So I was up really late last night. Uh, getting the edits for the Radiohead review together last night. I think I had shot the review at like ten thirty or eleven, and then I went downstairs into the living room and I started uh, chopping all the edits up or chopping all the videos up. What's, what's the, your
0: shooti- shooting ratio typically? What do you mean?
1: Uh, how much
0: footage you shoot versus how much is actually in the video?
1: Oh, um, I mean three to for, one for the Radiohead review. Uh, I think I ended up with like seventeen minutes of footage. Uh, for the Death Grips review, I think I ended up with like just under thirty minutes of footage. Same with the Beyonce review. Um, so it sort of depends. Sometimes I end up with like.
0: No, but how much do you shoot? Like, cause we we see the edits, and you're talking, you're talking. Yeah, so, like, that's how much what? I shoot.
1: You sometimes. shoot nineteen. Nineteen, it goes down to seven or something like that. Uh, you know, I'll sh- sometimes I'll end up with like uh twelve minutes of footage. Sometimes I'll end up with like 30 minutes of footage, you know, oh, for like a longer video. Right. Um. So yeah, uh, so I ended up uh, kind of editing that down. I finished at like 2 a.m. or so or like uh, uh, maybe just past 1 a.m. So then I went to bed and I slept late because I was super tired and I had already the night before rendered that little Uzi Vert uh, review I dropped for, you know, as soon as I got up this morning and got to the computer. So as soon as that uploaded, I started putting the finishing touches on the radio head. And as soon as that was done, um, I had some breakfast, which was like peanuts and raisins. And uh, I started working on my vector review. I had already been listening to the album for a while now, um, for the past few weeks, because I sort of uh, uh, had a uh, promo of the album. So, uh, and the album's like 77 minutes long or so. Uh, No, it's just like over 70 minutes long. So it's like a really dense record plus like a progressive thrash record. So there's just a lot to it. And also there's like this weird sci-fi narrative to the whole album. So I've been listening to the album on and off for a while now because there is just so much to it. Um, And uh, so I had just like finished writing that just before we hopped on a call you know the, the this call you know um i uh, uh had stopped i had stopped at some point for lunch had some veggie lasagna some uh carrots and bananas i took my dogs out a few times today um and uh trying, you know answered emails um you know hit my inbox and you know avoiding just like all the pr stuff and trying to get to um you know just anything that had to do directly with me um I was checking Twitter and just looking at, you know, what people were asking me to review and checking the reception for the review and I saw that uh that whole yacht sex tape thing was a hoax and that was pretty hilarious. Right. Um and uh actually so I finished writing the Vector review and then I started getting into writing the James Blake review and I was uh listening to that a little bit uh, just before we hopped on. Then you fell, then you then you fell asleep. So we're doing this podcast episode, and then after this, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to record the vector review, and then send that to my buddy Jeremy, so then he can just kind of get a rough edit on that, and then I can uh, render that either late tonight or early tomorrow morning, so I can have another review out tomorrow.
0: Jesus. So how much of the day is for you, like as a human being,
1: and how much of it
0: is you working for the deal?
1: Um, I mean, it, <clears throat> almost none of the day used to be for me, you know, um, when I was trying to get the needle drop off the ground, you know, uh, nowadays, you know, I, I have the opportunity to enjoy, uh, most of my weekends and, um, you know, when my wife, uh, gets home at, um, you know, five or six o'clock, six o'clock from work, uh, uh you know, I, um, uh. Uh, I, I do a much better job of just, uh, you know, making sure that, um, you know, I'm relaxing and just like not burning myself out, you know, although, you know, sometimes after my work over here is done, I head downstairs and, uh, you know, I cook dinner or something, you know, because I do like to cook. So I'm not just like sitting on the couch or whatever, you know, or like, uh, yesterday I went to the gym. Um, though I will say this week is particularly busy just because of all the album releases that came out this past weekend, you know, between yeah. the Radiohead and the Vector just dropped and freaking the New Death Grips just dropped officially. Uh I didn't want to review the leak, I wanted to hear the full quality version. Right. So, uh a lot of albums just dropped this past weekend. So this week is particularly busy. So, you know, uh not not every day is is quite like this, you know. Like um I try to do my best not to work on like (laughs) two or three album reviews in a day, you know, Um, because it's just it's just so much. But you know, a lot dropped this week, so you know, I'm just trying to keep up with the uh, the the pace of the industry, as it were.
0: Right, and with music blogging, like you know, um, for those of you who don't know, I've run a music blog for like seven, eight years, unsuccessfully. Um, but it starts off as a hobby, and then you go, like, oh, people are reading, and you start doing a little bit more. It's, it's always been a hobby for me. But when was the moment? Was there a moment or, or was it gradual when you were like, the needle drop has to be my thing and not just like a hobby?
1: Oh, I always wanted it to be more than a hobby. I mean, just from the outset. Yeah. Because um, well. it started off as that NPR affiliated podcast, you right. know, and I wanted to kind of make my way in radio. And that just wasn't going to happen um,
0: because of your vo- because of your bad voice.
1: Because of my bad voice, right? Because of the sex tape, yeah. because of the drug problem that I have, right? Um, you know, I just would never fit into a, an organization like a, like NPR. No. So. <laughs> so. Um, uh. When consider- considering wait. considering that um, uh, the. the Largest NPR affiliate in Connecticut on Saturday nights at 10 o'clock playing indie music and punk music and metal and hip hop and electronic music. Not not exactly going to earn you, um, well, any money really. I was earning no money. So, uh, but, you know, I was, um, uh, you know, announcing on the weekends over there and I was, uh, working at, uh, the pizza place, cooking pizzas, um, so you know, I was doing that to sort of make uh, ends meet at the time, um, and uh, you know the the news director over there, uh, John Dankosky. Uh, after a while, you know, he had he had urged me to you know the podcast is cool, but you should start a website too, and um, you know that got me into the whole music blog world, which beforehand I wasn't really um, well versed in. You know, uh, previously, you know, I found out about music from either close friends or just working at the college radio station that I had been uh, the GM of for 2 years before uh, uh heading over to WNPR and you know pretty much any and all modern music that I would want to hear or have access to was just pretty much all there you know um so you know I wasn't really uh reading much of the music press uh, you know I was like reading the college music journal and just kind of seeing what was popular on the college radio charts and listening to all the CDs that would come into the radio station. And, um, there were people who, uh, had different shows on the, uh, station sort of specialized in different, uh, genres. You know, there were a few guys who had metal shows and there was people who had hip hop shows and, uh, there were people who had like, you know, indie shows and so on and so forth. Uh, so, you know, there were a lot of people I could kind of pick their brains and I ended up learning about a lot about some of my favorite, artists there, you know, through just kind of like talking to other people who are just passionate music fans and sort of, you know, starting or getting in on some kind of musical conversation. Um, so, you know, starting my own little blog, uh, I didn't know how far it could go, you know, well, I actually didn't really go that far at all. You know, um, it was like a total struggle. I didn't really have the funding for like a cool logo or layout or really anything, um, so I just decided because, you know, I, I actually simultaneously was passionate about YouTube. Um, you know, though I hadn't really taken making YouTube content very seriously, you know, I was just like someone who watched YouTube casually and, you know, just for entertainment, um, you know, had decided, well, maybe what I'll do is I'll start talking about music on camera because from my observations of everybody sort of, um, You know, running these various music websites, nobody's really talking about music on camera, and maybe that'll kind of separate me from the people who I'm trying to compete with, I guess. So, you know, I was experimenting and I was trying something different there out of what I saw as a necessity because what I was doing currently just wasn't working.
0: Right. And and did that come naturally to you, talking in front of the camera, doing the videos, editing them, or? Take a while to get in your groove.
1: Uh, Talking into a camera was something that after a bad experience in a television news class, I swear I would never do again.
0: (laughs) And now you do it for a living.
1: Now I do it every day for the rest of my life.
0: I I once tried to do a podcast when I was doing my podcast that we listen for you. I try to talk to myself or just like talk straight into a recorder for like an hour. And it was Mm. extremely difficult not to have the banter to kind of keep you in line. Uh, how do you I mean I know you have your notes but how do you go through prepping your video and making sure it's just not one long tangent
1: um well I'm really flattered that you feel like my videos are not just one long tangent <laughs> <laughs> what are the cuts um, for? I guess in a really nerdy way maybe the reason that my videos don't come off like a tangent is because I kind of write them like a book report <laughs> I write them with like a small audience in mind, right? And you know, like if I were going to be giving, uh, uh, if I were going to be making the case for an album in front of like a a classroom of people or something. Right, you're in fifth um, grade.
0: Give me your book report on Death Grips. You know, Mm -hmm. coming up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That—that's exactly it. Is that three young homes? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh (laughs)
0: huh. All right, ten, let's talk about 10 out of 10s. You've given three away?
1: Just giving them away. Just giving them out. Just
0: them out. away, just willy-nilly. Are those random, or do you like, like They're, they're totally
1: random. So okay. if you come out with an album, the next 10 could be you. Nice.
0: <laughs> well, what is, is it? Because I, I, we got rid of scores on our site back in, like, 2010, because I, I didn't even know what the difference between an 8 and a 7 was to me. Mm. It was just more of a feel like, yeah, that feels like a 7. Um, but I feel like everyone's scoring reviews are kind of different to themselves, even to your probably your readers or, or viewers. Um, what makes it a 10? Because like, it's easy to go 9 and kind of play you know, both sides, go this is a really, really great album, it means a lot to me, but it's,
1: I'm not saying it's perfect. Yeah, up to me a 10 isn't necessarily like... perfection as much as i feel like when i'm listening to it i've kind of reached this peak threshold of enjoyment or entertainment like i don't feel like i could enjoy this album i don't feel like i could enjoy an any an album any more than sort of this level you know is is sort of what i'm stating there you know um Yeah, it's it's not so much a statement of perfection as much as it is just like enjoyment. And that's what, you know, all my scores really are. You know, it's just kind of the level at which I'm enjoying it. Anything like a five is neutral. It's indifference. Anything past a five is sort of, you know, a certain level of enjoyment. Anything under a five is like various shades of of hatred. (laughs) Right. So, uh you know, if, if something's a four, I dislike it, but only a little. If something's a six, I like it, but only a little. And again, you know, a 10 to me is kind of like that peak threshold of enjoyment. You know, like I'm thoroughly enjoying the album from beginning to end. There's not like a moment that I didn't really love what was going on, you right. know? Um, is there is uh, there
0: is it just a straight feel for like the difference between light six, six, strong six? Like, is that just you kind of going, uh, or do you actually have in your mind like, the differences
1: um you know there aren't like uh concrete right. you know sort of listed out differences that sort of you know culminate into uh these scores or anything like that it's just kind of a matter of like you know was the did the whole middle part of the album suck you know and yeah. if 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 that accounts for like four songs in the middle of the record that just weren't that good then uh that or that i found really boring um, you know, that's going to affect the overall score, you know, that's going to affect the overall, um, uh, 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 you know, um, again, score, uh, of the record, but. You know, then once I've kind of decided that you know these the these several tracks here at one point in the record they're they're not good it creates a lull. Um, then it's kind of my duty to sort of go into those tracks and be like, okay, so what it is about these songs is kind of lackluster or doesn't make their or they don't work in my opinion. Um, uh, you know, so. Uh, so You know, anything really could be making those songs lackluster. You know, it's just that there are lacking songs in the track listing, and that's ultimately what matters and sort of affects the overall score, you know?
0: Right. Uh, I'm just going to be shifting all over the place because we only have another 30 minutes at most, and there's a lot to know about you. Um, You are an internet celebrity, whether you want to admit it or not. Uh, What's the weirdest rumor you ever heard about yourself? Or gossip. Gossip. There has to be some strange shit out there about you.
1: Hmm. Hmm. That you eat during interviews, or mm-hmm. uh-huh. um. There is that weird picture that everybody sort of swears is like a picture of me getting my dick sucked. So there is and then, that. And do you want to so, confirm if that's real or or false? Yeah, it's not. A, it's not a picture of me getting my dick sucked.
0: Oh. <laughs> All right. Bad money is like some.
1: I was real. It's just like some white or some Asian guy with like a few tattoos on his arms wearing like black frame glasses. And whoever took the original picture like purposefully found a frame in the porno where like his head is tilted back and all you see is that he has a shaved head and glasses on and he's getting his dick sucked.
0: And you have a shaved head and glasses.
1: Yes. So, yeah. So it all makes sense. <laughs>
0: do you have stalkers or other than me? Uh, do you have stalkers or like really weird like hatred? You? Like I mean, has it ever gotten too much? Like where you have to report it?
1: Um, no, not really. Not so much that I felt like so I was you're not, super not- scared for my life. And I have had people who have been like, you know, like just all over me on the internet, or like have tried to dig up personal information about me. But usually, when people do that, I don't know, they just get really bored really fast because ultimately, at the end of the day. Like I'm not really doing anything that controversial. I'm not really doing anything, you know, that crazy or anything that should piss off anybody that much. So most people who hate me and try to like I don't know, like uh stalk after me in any kind of capacity, they usually end up getting bored because I don't know. Th- th- I'm I'm probably not the most worthy of targets. I'm probably a pretty boring target. There's nothing you know. There's nothing really crazy going on in my life. You know, I don't have like a sex tape or like a coke habit that anybody could like, you know, expose me for.
0: Well, we could expose you for Cal. Let's talk about Cal. Mm. How the hell did you come up with Cal?
1: Cal is just kind of like the Stimpy to my Wren. You know, he's the Patrick to my SpongeBob.
0: But what was it? Can you remember the, uh, the moment of lightning in your head when you were like, I'm going to create this alter ego and have him on my
1: show? The the moment when he was created was in the uh, <laughs> was in the 222 subscribers special, and I needed someone to interview me because at the time I thought it would be a funny joke if I had thought myself so famous that I needed to be interviewed on my own YouTube channel.
0: Just <laughs> <laughs> where we're at now. Perfect, it's
1: perfect. <laughs> so you're basically Couch Chester in this scenario
0: yeah not as handsome though
1: Mm. Um,
0: so were you doing the voice in the bit before like were you annoying friends with your alter ego cal or did you literally just make him up for that
1: i was doing that voice because i think at the time i was watching a lot of like the first few seasons of mystery science theater 3000 and uh they would pop into that voice quite often like uh as if uh to fat, I don't know, Wisconsinites or middle Americans were kind of reacting to something that was going on in the movie. Like, oh, you got to take the helicopter ride when you go down there. It's really beautiful. Um, so, so occasionally I would I would pop into that voice because at the time I liked to do like weird voices and, and impressions and stuff. And um, Cal Chuchesta was a name... That, uh, me and, uh, another coworker of mine, and there were other people sort of in on these jokes too, uh, a name that we had made up at work because at work at the pizza place, you know, there was just a lot of, um, there were a lot of different languages being spoken, you know, there were Eastern Bloc, you know, uh, South American, uh, uh, European, uh, you know, and of course English too. And, you know, lots of broken English, and, um, you know, there would be all of these, uh, uh, weird phrases kind of going around in every direction and, um, oh. <laughs> and a friend of mine and I decided it would be a funny joke if some of these, uh, phrases that were constantly being said, if they were names. So, you know, uh, uh, if, if some of these names, um, one of them like in Italian I remember it was like ana maron like you're taking the mother's name uh, mother mary's name in vain and uh uh my buddy Nico shout out to Nico you know we we had this name for that phrase uh, which was John Marone and we'd be like oh John Marone you know you're talking about John Marone buddy <laughs> so we came up with like a ridiculous name for every one of these phrases and Calcuchesta was one of these names from uh... These phrases that were constantly being said. And, um, you know, so there were, there were like several different names that would constantly be referenced, you know, in in response to like the, the, you know, uh, the, in in these inside jokes at, at the restaurant. And Cal Chichester was just kind of one of probably my favorite names of, of all the names that were, uh, uh, kind of in this ongoing, uh, inside joke. And how long did
0: you slash, you know, it was Cal's, Mixtape. How long? How long did that take you?
1: God, how long did that take me? I think I like. when did I end up releasing it? I See, know, like I, I came up with that Coco song near Christmas time, and then it just kind of snowballed from there. Uh, cause.
0: Are <laughs> you <laughs> so surprised by the reaction? I think a lot of people liked it. Hmm. I liked it.
1: A lot of people did like it, surprisingly. Like, on the website that I had uploaded it on, AudioMac, which I sort of did that with them because uh, I wanted to give the mixtape, like, a little bit of legitimacy. I thought it would be funny if the mixtape, you know, wasn't just on Mediafire. Like, it was actually on a website where people could, like, see it streamed side by side with, like, other hip-hop mixtapes. And, um, I think I had proposed the idea to one of the guys over there because I had recently been emailed by one of them. Um, maybe they were asking to like host my podcast or something. I can't remember. And I said, I'm going to have this, uh, (laughs) this joke mixtape come out. Can I put it on your website? And they said, Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, anybody can put whatever on our website, which is okay, fine. That's great. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) obviously there were no limitations there, but I think they took like special interest in promoting it and it ended up getting like more hits than the two chains mixtape that dropped that month <laughs> and like you know i think it's like in the top 100 mixtapes on that website <laughs> is there any chance of a cal tour tour in the mixtape hell no 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 uh-huh. mm-hmm. no
0: one of, the, one of the coolest things I, got- I
1: can't i can't even promise that there's going to be a follow-up and people are asking me like when the next one's going to drop
0: dude you know there's gonna be another one
1: i don't know I don't know if there's gonna be another one. Would
0: you like to place money on it? And you're the guy making it, so I don't. I will, It's a tough wager, but
1: I think it'll. How, how much money would you place on it?
0: Uh, a lot, like ten bucks, <laughs> like a lot of money. <laughs> All right. That is that so is so this, a lot
1: of money. That's true.
0: We're short on time here. Uh, one of my favorite things about running a music blog or just being in the music industry is that rare occurrence. It's probably less rare for you, like where, you know, like I'll write an article or a review and then that artist will go, Hey, thank you so much for those kind words. And you're like, Oh shit. They actually, what's the craziest thing artist to you that you've ever experienced where you're just like, this can't be real life.
1: I think the craziest thing recently, uh, was, um, like I've gotten a few like, uh, uh, like lyrical mentions on some rap songs. Right. Um, the the underachievers follow my reviews and uh, they did like a tour vlog and uh, like they were watching my review of like the new album um, uh, on their on their tour, like in the video, uh, you know, get, like artists sending me their albums early. You know, even if they don't say anything in response to the review, like, you know, I know that they're watching and that they know what's going on and that they might have appreciated my previous review of what they did um you know and and occasionally uh I've put out negative reviews and uh uh the the artist has responded with like uh eh, fair, you know like <laughs> like he has a few points you know, or like uh, you know and and it 's nothing to do with sort of the shortcoming of the artist is or whether or not the artist is uh good or talented as much as it is like you know I sort of recognize something on the album as being a shortcoming and that person kind of coming forward and being like well you know to be honest i did i did struggle a lot with that you know i struggled a lot with that song you know when i was recording it or i struggled a lot trying to sing uh, on that particular track and it wasn't my best uh um you know performance uh, i think what's important um is to just kind of have patience for the artist and you know for for me personally sort of understand that like you know, making an album is really difficult. And for a lot of artists, uh, you know, you don't have like forever to record it. You know, a lot of these people are stuffed into recording studios and they're on limited time to sort of make this piece of art that essentially in a lot of ways is a product that has to be sold somewhere down the line. And, um, uh, uh sometimes, you know, uh, those limitations can come out, uh, uh, can can result in a great record because you know if you're sort of left with unlimited time and unlimited resources, there's really no pressure to sort of do anything at any kind of pace. Whereas you know um, sometimes uh, those those limitations can be uh, stifling too. You know, and I think it's just kind of uh, important to recognize that. And if you know even if I don't care for the album um, it's important to kind of give the artist another shot the next time around, you know, because maybe sort of those issues that you had on the last record will be smoothed over. And there have been plenty of reviews, uh, where that's been the case, you know, where previously I'd given the artist a negative or a very lukewarm review, but on the next record, uh, I really loved what they were doing. So, you know, for me, a, a negative review, isn't kind of like, the be all end all and it's not like i'm trying to shut down anybody's career or anything you know um uh, because uh, much of the time i'm going to try to do my best to be there the next time around to scope out what you're doing if at least even for a little bit just to kind of see if you know have you improved is it a different sound or a different record this time around you know
0: yeah What's, uh, what's the biggest misconception about your channel, The Needle Drop, or you?
1: Um, that I hate artists, you know, because honestly, I don't really hate them or anybody, you know, because I don't really know any of these pers- people personally. <laughs> you know, there's really no reason to hate any of them. Um, or hold anything against them, you know, uh, like people think I hate Kanye or that I hate Kid Cudi and it's like, I don't know these people, you know, I don't have anything against them. I've never met them in my life. You know, um, I have no reason to hate anybody. Um, you know, I think that's a pretty big, uh, misconception that people think I'm like, you know, uh, pretentious or that I think I'm better than everybody else, <laughs> you know, um, like what I try to do with my format is just make it really straightforward and really simple so that if other people try to get in on the conversation, I've already kind of given you the blueprint to do that, you know, and other people have done that. Other people have taken me up on that. Other people have started their own review channels with formats that are very similar to mine. And that's not something that I'm unhappy about, you know, because the thing is, I have my own point of view, I have my own taste, I have my own kind of preferences. I love that there are other YouTube channels out there that, format-wise, are doing something very similar to what I'm doing, but they're putting their own tastes out there, you know? Um, And they're sort of championing the records that are important to them, which aren't necessarily the albums that are important to me, you know, because as as much music as I try to cover and as open-minded as I try to be to... Whatever it is I'm making a video about, um, you know, I'm not going to review everything and I'm not going to like everything, you know. Um, so, uh, So, you know, I'm trying to, again, get people to think critically about what they're listening to and also maybe just sort of show them that it's not like a death sentence to put a controversial opinion out there, you know and yeah. to, you know, sort of maybe influence them to sort of say their piece as well, you know.
0: And if someone agrees or disagrees or just wants to reach you, what's what's the best way to have that conversation that you're trying to build? Is it through Twitter, through email, through the comment
1: section? Um, you know, people can contact me on Twitter, most certainly, you know. But I mean, that conversation that I'm trying to start, it's not necessarily this two-way conversation with just me, right. you know. I'm trying to get people to also kind of you know, uh, in a way sort of, uh, maybe evangelize for the music that they think is important with them, with their friends, you know, um, even though I'm kind of a catalyst for some of this conversation, I think that that conversation isn't necessarily going to be a worthwhile one. If you just kind of continually try to have that conversation with me and only me, you know? Um, you should try to get out there and try to have that conversation with other people, you know. And that's why I've started the YouTube channel, you know, because I didn't. I th- this musical conversation, uh, these records that I kind of wanted to spread the word about, um, you know, I I thought this conversation would be limited if I only continued to have this conversation with my friends, you know. Right. Um, I wanted to get out there and have this conversation with other people, you know. Um, and that's what I hope my viewers also do, you know, not that I don't like them to respond to me or sort of give me their thoughts if they get a hold of me for sure. That's fine. You know, there are tons of people who watch the show who I've met in real life and, you know, after sort of talking for a little bit, you know, we get right into, well, you know, that review you put out for such and such, (laughs) you know, which is completely fine. You know, like that sort of comes with the territory of, of, of where I am working, you know, that's completely understandable. Um, you know, but simultaneously, uh, uh, you know, if, if I turn you on to some record that you think is amazing, you know, you should probably go talk to somebody else about it, you know, and try to share that record with other people. Or, you know, um, if I put out an opinion that you really hate, you know, like talk to your friend about it or something, you know, and just be like, what what do you think of this asshole? You know, it's like, what the fuck is he talking about? You know, um, Because, you know, that's that's most certainly what I used to do, you know, when I was talking to my friends about music. And, you know, I heard about people hating on artist X that I thought was really great or so on and so forth, you know?
0: Yeah. And, and <clears throat> one of my biggest worries is that music discovery on this very, very small scale is just going away. What are you doing to try to, you know, not necessarily break unknown acts, but like, what are you doing to make sure it's fair and not just all mainstream artists that you're reviewing because i've kind of noticed i'm gonna put your feet to the fire a little bit you like your bigger reviews obviously are like the kanye's and beyonce drake radiohead stuff like that and then you do it came from Bandcamp. which if you're listening to this podcast and you don't read that section um or listen to that section it's really good uh, how long have you been doing that
1: um i started doing that section with my buddy austin who helps update the website for several months now, and it's only been until like recently, as two months ago, that we decided to make it a video segment. And um, music discovery on the internet's a really weird thing, you know. The internet sort of has this quality where it's sort of blended the underground and the mainstream together onto the same platform, which has its has its upsides and its downsides. Um, <clears throat> one of the upsides is that you know, you really have access to everything. But one of the downsides is I think sort of the mainstream and the underground have each kind of lost a part of themselves. You know, they've each kind of like lost a little bit of their identity. um, Now that there's not really a separator between these two worlds. Um, So now it's kind of like, you know, that's a downside. But I guess another upside to that is that they kind of freely borrow from one another. Uh, So, you know, chances are, Um, you're going to, you're going to hear more interesting things in the mainstream than you would have like 10 or 20 years ago. Um, you know, back when albums just sort of needed to be a little more focused grouped in order to sort of just make sure that they were commercial enough for, for re for, you know, retail, um, you know, these days I see our pop stars as, as super, super volatile. You know, it's it's any day now that you could sort of find another record like, I don't know, Miley Cyrus and her Dead Pets or something, which like is a really terrible record. But yeah. like, you know, that, that album couldn't have come out in any other decade other than this one. You right. know, like that sort of album <laughs> would have never been released no. 20 years ago. You know, only in the Internet age could that album happen. Right. Um. But sort of a downside to that is uh, uh, that it seems like the underground is going for a lot of these similarly poppy sounds, you know. Or uh, some of these underground sounds, they don't really stay underground for too long because if it's a really good idea, it catches on like wildfire. Uh, and And then everybody's kind of copying it, you know. So you never really kind of have this moment where... Uh, You get sort of this incubation period where something's like really allowed to kind of grow and mature for a long time and really kind of, you know, gain artistic value and merit. You know, uh, if something in the underground that's actually neato uh, starts happening, um, it's torn from the underground pretty quickly and sort of thrust up as high as possible, Um, which, you know, uh, and and how good that uh, of an idea that is really sort of depends on how well the artists can kind of execute once they're kind of thrust up onto that pedestal. You know, some people like, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think some artists sort of fold to the pressures of completely, uh, uh, just like compromising their sound in every way possible. Maybe they haven't been playing for too long either. So when you go to see them perform live, they're not good. Uh, while other artists, you know, sort of really seem to be up to the challenge and kind of, you know, like a Kendrick Lamar or something and completely, you know, uh, uh, come out with this wigged out progressive jazz rap record concept that nobody fucking saw coming. Um, so, uh, you know, it sort of has its its upsides and its downsides. You know, I like that artists that are legitimately talented, you know, they don't have to toil away sort of in the underground anymore if... uh uh, uh, you know, if, if what they do actually has a wide appeal to it. Um, you know, but again, simultaneously, it's, it's still kind of the music industry making a buck at the end of the day. Um, one thing that I sort of miss is, you know, I, I guess I miss, uh, how shadowy the music world was, uh, sometimes before, um, the internet era. And I don't sort of mean in a seedy, shady way, you know, I just mean in the sense that like, uh, you know, like back in the day, it, it wasn't just everybody and anybody who knew who the fuck like Gigi Allen was, or like anal cunt was, or like napalm death was and stuff like that. You know, that stuff was like super far out sort of into the fringes, you know, artists like white house or something, you know, like power electronics, that kind of shit. Um, or like man is the bastard, uh, These kinds of artists were super noisy, super abrasive, super extreme, and it's come to the point now where uh, the internet has essentially like overexposed these kinds of sounds and trends to the point where it's just like, nah, it's not even like a thrill anymore, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, what's the uh, what's the one artist or album? I mean, you have a huge platform now. So let's say over the last like three or four years, since you've had a pretty big audience, what's the one big like one album that you really loved? You really tried to help out because you were passionate about it, but you just didn't feel like the response was as big as you would have loved it to have been.
1: Hmm. Let me try to think. I think. Um, hmm. Because I mean, you.
0: I'm not gonna say you made Death Grips. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, some people say that.
1: Some people say that. Um so, do say that. Um to to okay to to go back to your your last question I I guess the way that I sort of, you know, prioritize, you know, underground sounds and sort of make sure that there is some kind of element of discovery still is when I stumble across something that isn't as well known um and I think it's great uh I just kind of stop what I'm doing, you know, and I try to review that right away. You know, Um, uh, like, for example, you know, there are a few um, Australian artists that I reviewed recently um, who I had been covering for a while. They actually had pretty decent years this year, Um, but I've covered their previous albums as well before people were even like, you know, really talking about them in kind of a wide scale way. Um, The new King Gizzard record. Right. Uh, not that, you know, I discovered them or anything like no. that. That's most definitely not the case, um, you know, but I covered their last record, which I didn't see as much press for it as I would have liked. And it just so happened that this new album of theirs, uh, I thought it was fantastic, you know, um, and that just kind of comes as a result of of following them for a little while. Um, and also the latest record from the Drones as well. Um, you know, these are artists that not a lot of people in America are talking about right now, not as many as I would like. Um, so, you know, I made sure to sort of put them on my priority list when I knew that they had new albums coming out, you know, because I thought they were interesting artists. Um, you know, sometimes underground records that I'm anticipating, uh, uh, you know, they don't really turn out that good. And I end up mentioning them in the why, you know, review or something, (laughs) you know, um, and sometimes underground records that I'm really anticipating, uh, uh, you know, they end up being great and I try to review them and, uh, you know, and usually I end up reviewing them. Um, you know, the, I, I think, uh, you know, the mainstream and the underground has kind of, uh, sort of Venn diagrammed into, uh, this musical, uh, landscape where much of what's coming out, in the mainstream has enough alternative sort of, you know, appeal to it that I don't feel like bad reviewing something like a new Beyonce record, or, you know, I'm not like completely sick to my stomach after reviewing something like the new Beyonce record, um, or even the new Kanye record, which, you know, as, as popular and as mainstream as an artist like Kanye is, you know, it's just like, you know, completely wigged out record. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily make it good. Uh, but there was something, you know, like really odd about that album. Um, Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's 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 tough, you know, I mean, it's not that I don't want to review underground stuff. I do. It's just that, you know, it has to sort of be uh, worth discussion and worth sort of sharing. You know, that to me is ultimately what's important. There certainly was a point in time when most of the music that was worth talking about and was worth sharing was coming from the underground because that's where the experimentation was going on. That's where the risks were being taken. That's where uh, 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 the adventures were being had. And that's not something that you could exclusively sort of say the underground has uh, ownership of these days, you know, because you can't say that the new Kanye record wasn't risky. You can't say that the new... Beyonce record wasn't a new sound for her. You can't say that the last Kendrick Lamar record wasn't like ambitious, you know. Um I I think, you know, somebody like me, I'm kind of still adjusting from that era of time in the late nineties and the two thousands where everything that came out from a major label and almost everything that came out from, you know, that was being pumped out from a commercial radio station was like horseshit. Um you know and stuff that like we've almost completely forgotten about now you know and of course there were like rare exceptions um uh but but a lot of those rare exceptions were at one point popular in the underground and were sort of thrust up later into the mainstream by sort of their grassroots audiences right. um so you know these days uh there're tons of you know completely awful, mediocre, terrible records uh that come out from the underground or come out from independent labels. Because these days uh, I think the internet has sort of made a lot of these labels ultra, ultra conscious uh of sort of like uh, uh these various music trends that have kind of come out from uh the indie scene. Like they're like since the inception of bands like the drums and beach fossils and like, uh, best coast, like how many twangy sort of reverbed songless beach rock bands have there been? And like, we're still like seeing bands with this sound and it's just so tiresome. Like how many more records like this do we need? Um, before like people just get sick of it. I don't know. Uh, but like, we're still doing it. Um, (sighs) Uh, you know so is that
0: the one genre you want to see leave is like beach surf rock
1: um chill? it's not that i it's not that i necessarily want to see it leave but you know it's it's like uh uh the mainstream has its crappy trends and now the underground has its crappy trends you know is is essentially what is going on here you know like well, like if if this crappy trend left it would be replaced by another crappy trend you know um like um, YouTube reviews. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, y- you know, I I sort of uh, uh, you know, at one point I saw uh, uh, you know, the underground, and everybody was very conscious of this, you know, as being a place where people kind of escape from crappy trends because they were sort of being filtered to you from every traditional media outlet that you came into contact with. So there was really no escape. Um, You know, so, so a lot of the underground artists who were out there um, were doing their best to kind of, you know, fight against any and all of that. And nowadays, it's uh, uh, nowadays, now that, you know, sort of, I don't know, I I guess, uh, I, I, I can't, fully explain why exactly it is this way and it's something that probably i'll be able to explain better uh, in in retrospect but um but now you know i sort of see the underground uh uh embracing as many crappy trends as it you know sort of uh works against you know uh, i feel like the uh uh the the boundary has kind of been blurred you know, between, you know, which side of the aisle is artistic and interesting and which side of the aisle is like totally garbage and crap, you know, um, which I think, you know, has, uh, I, I guess, uh, you know, sort of it it, it uh, makes it a little more difficult to just be like, okay, well, I'm only going to listen to underground stuff because I'm guaranteed to listen to something interesting that way. Um, You know, it's, it's a little more difficult because you actually kind of have to second guess yourself and challenge yourself and actually like, you know, give something an honest chance every time that you uh, listen to something, whether it's a popular record or it's an obscure or an unpopular record. Uh, because you know, you never know who's going to come out with an album that really appeals to you. Because again, everything just sort of feels so volatile and unpredictable right now. You know, um, pretty much any artist now can, uh, you know, is is just like a year away from either dropping their greatest or their worst album. Right, which is um, kind of exciting. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it makes. Uh, I think it makes the whole act of you know following music and covering music in the way that that I do and and you do. Um, really interesting, you know, because you never know what's going to happen next. You know, um, there, there are really no guarantees anymore in the music industry. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, which again, sort of makes things really, uh, really interesting, you know, um, and,
0: and just from an outsider's perspective, you seem really comfortable now, you know, cause I've been watching you since the start. How long has it been? Five years, six
1: years? Uh, started the YouTube channel in 2009. Okay. But the Needle Drop has a, yeah. existed since like 2007. Okay. So next yeah. year will be like the 10-year anniversary of the existence of, of the brand. Okay.
0: Well, oh, boy. Um, do you feel like you're like – because when you were first starting, it seemed like you would add segments and you would do this and you are always evolving. But the last like two or three years, it seems like – very consistent I, I think would be the word. It's like I know you're going to have your videos up every day. You're on your Facebook, you're on your Twitter. It seems like a well-oiled machine now. Like do you are you still worried and trying to like look to the future or are you pretty comfortable?
1: Um I think that period of time that you were talking about, you know, it was it was a time of experimentation because I was really trying to figure out how the fuck to do any of this. You know, there's not like a handbook for any of it. You right. know, not only did I not know how to run a YouTube channel, but when I first started reviewing albums I didn't know how the fuck to review an album, you know, (laughs) I didn't know at all. So, you know, not only were you kind of listening to me recommend music to you, but you were simultaneously, if you watch since 2009, you've been over the years, just kind of watching me figure out how to do what I do too, and drive myself crazy doing it. Um, although, you know, I was very uh, careful, um, to keep a lot of that crazy off of my YouTube channel, um, you know, and, and uh, because, you know, I absolutely hate it when um, uh, uh, people sort of jump onto their YouTube channel and just be like, oh, my YouTube channel is going terrible, guys. I'm awful, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, the thing, the reason I hate that is because, you know, I've had my moments like that, most certainly. and And I always try to do my best to move past them and just continue making my content that I know that my audience wants you know because ultimately if you just kind of break down in front of everybody you know if it's for no other reason other than that I'm having a hard time doing my YouTube channel or you know I don't know if my content's any good you know that's just kind of allowing your audience to lose complete faith in you you know not that your audience can't see you be human you know like if I don't know. my My whole family died tomorrow. I'd just be like, "Hey guys, listen. Whole family's dead. N- not going to be making videos for a while. It's kind of tough. Whole family's dead." You know. I would <laughs> hate. The, I
0: would. I would hate to re- read the comments on that video.
1: Yeah, you yeah. know, but but I would never make a video coming on my YouTube channel saying, "Hey guys, you know what? I really hate making videos for you." You know, like not unless I wanted my YouTube career to be over because because that wouldn't result in anything else than that. Did you um, ever come
0: close to not like not continuing on like early on where you're just like, I don't know, no one's watching this shit. Like, I just I'm going to quit. Or was it always this is what it's going
1: um, Yeah, absolutely. You know, there were moments where I was just like, oh, and, and it's not so much like nobody's watching this shit. I want to quit. You know, it's just kind of like. It in my head, I was just like, should I keep going with this? I don't know what I'm doing. You know, nothing like is guaranteed here. This isn't like something, you know, should I be banking my future on this? You know, essentially was my question Um, because I was putting a lot of time and effort into it, you know, as much time and effort as you would put into like getting a fucking master's degree or something, you know, which at the time I was thinking, well, should I just go back to school and do that instead? You know, like, would that make more sense uh, than doing what I'm doing now? And and trying to sort of get this thing to grow, that you know, uh, it's it's not like there were three huge YouTube review channels out there already, right? Um, for, for music reviews to kind of illustrate to me that oh, hey, this is this is how you do it, and there's like a, a really big audience for this, so maybe I should get in on it. You know what I mean? Um, it, like I was growing the very audience for what I was doing because. Uh, uh, there was no other bigger channel doing it than me at the time, you know, and when I started doing it, it just so happened that, you know, I stumbled across two other channels, uh, you're wrong, I'm right, and Jumble Junkie, who were sort of doing their own music reviews too, who might've known about each other at the time. I can't quite remember, but I remember when I first started out for a while, it was just kind of the three of us in our respective small audiences kind of watching each other's channels because we all kind of had our own various tastes and review styles, um, But, uh, but, you know, those guys weren't doing it full time, you know, it was a hobby, you know, I wanted to push it further than that. And there was like, you know, really no how to on on doing that. So you know, I questioned myself a lot uh, uh, over that period of time from like 2009 to 2012, where I had finally sort of made it my full time thing. And, uh, you know, for for even years after that after it was like my full-time gig i was still questioning myself i was like oh you know could the rug just be ripped out from under me tomorrow i don't know what's going on you know and there's always like a uh, an element of kind of wondering what the uh uh the future is going to hold for this job because you know the music industry is so volatile you know um while it does mean that there is a lot to talk about and there's a lot to observe you know, maybe one day everybody will simultaneously decide that there's no use for what I'm doing. I don't know. You know, I mean, we'll see. Um, but, uh, uh, <laughs> but you know, again, over the process of sort of getting the channel to where it is now, there were lots of moments where I questioned myself and I sort of worried about the the future of me and the future of what I'm doing because I'm somebody who who likes to who likes to plan, likes to have an exit strategy likes to, you know, uh, have a nest egg, likes to, you know, uh, know that I'm going to be uh, like eating tomorrow and have a roof over my head, you know? right. Um, These so, are
0: things to you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, you know, uh, uh, of course, you know, if, if the job that I'm working is bringing me any kind of anxiety in relation to those things, I'm I'm going to question it, you know, I'm going to question that, that path Um, but you know it's sort of my interest in this and my passion for it and the fact that I just really you know really really care about it uh, that you know kept me pushing forward you know
0: right well wrapping things up man I'm just super proud of you I've known you how long we've known each other
1: five years since since the day I wrote you a message asking asking you how how I can update my blog (laughs) like Zach I just got this blog I don't know what to do with it man Thank God you went YouTube. <laughs> Thank God.
0: Uh, but dude, yeah, super proud of you. I think you do a, a great service for the music industry. I'm gonna give you back your podcast to wrap it up. Um, Thank you. Let's say the last minute. What, let's just—it's the 50th podcast. There is no Anthony Fantana without his fans. So I'm gonna give you one minute just talk to your fans. Just a a speech. <laughs> no eating during this because you've been eating the whole podcast. It's killing me. Killing my ears.
1: I know. I'm sorry.
0: Oh, he's going to cook more fucking food. Anthony. What? Oh, sound like you were in your kitchen.
1: No, I'm not in my kitchen. Um.
0: <laughs> You're going to eat the whole time. Okay. All right. The floor is yours. The podcast is yours.
1: All right, guys. Um, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. It does honestly mean a lot. And I'm happy that not only that you could... You know, come in here in in a big way, sort of verify what I'm doing and make it something that is um, viable, like, you know, not only as a career, but, you know, just uh, also as just like a form of expression. And in return for that, as long as you'll have me, I'm happy to not only try to do my best to share and... Uh, recommend to you music that might have slipped through the cracks for you uh, that I think is really great that I hope will kind of expand your mind and get you to just kind of have different musical experiences, Uh, but also do my best to give a level-headed opinion of uh, the new music releases that are out there that are really buzzed, that are really you know, heavily talked about that, that you're wondering about, um, that you, you know, want to get another opinion on because, you know, music, uh, music is so much about the culture that it exists in. And a big part of that, a a big part of that culture is the conversation that happens around that, that music, you know, and that conversation could be, uh, on my YouTube channel from me to you it could be amongst your friends. Uh, it could be with anybody, you know? And, um, that's, that's again, the point of my YouTube channel, you know, uh, to be a part of that musical conversation, to help facilitate that musical conversation, to help stir the pot, to get you to think critically about what you're listening to, you know, whether that be, Hey, that thing, you know, that I've been listening to, maybe it's not as good as I thought it was, or, you know, Actually, you know, I'm going to think harder about what it is I'm hearing and actually think of, of of why exactly it appeals to me so much. So I'm not trying to get you to think about, I'm not trying to get you to think like I think, I'm just trying to get you to think. And um, I'm just happy that you're kind of participating in this, I don't know, weird YouTube social experiment that I started uh, like five or six years ago. <laughs> So there you go. There's there's my speech. Is that cool?
0: I, I'm not here anymore. I gave it back to you. I gave it back. I thought you were gonna do the whole forever thing and the music. Okay. Well, I,
1: you, you could say forever.
0: Nah, that's your bit.
1: No, nah, you say it.
0: No, my bit is I have it written down. This is my show, bitch.
1: Well, I'm already I'm already eating, so you could say it. Okay.
0: Forever. See ya. Bye. And then you do the music live or do we just sit here?
1: <laughs> it's it's done with. It's over.